This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Well, another scary show awaits us tonight. I'm going to take you back to 1945 for another episode of The Whistler. Each episode of The Whistler began with the sound of footsteps and a person whistling. The Saint Radio series with Vincent Price used a similar opening. The daunting signature theme tune was composed by Wilbur Hatch and featured Dorothy Roberts whistling with an orchestra. A character known only as The Whistler was the host and narrator of the tales, which focused on crime and fate. He often commented directly upon the action, taunting the characters. The stories followed a formula in which a person's criminal acts were typically undone, either by an overlooked but important detail or by the criminal's own stupidity. An ironic ending, often grim, was the key feature of each episode. Bill Foreman had the title role of The Whistler for the longest period of time, but others who portrayed The Whistler at various times were Gail Gordon, Lucia Ball's future television nemesis, Joseph Kearns, who played Mr. Wilson on TV series Dennis the Menace, and Marvin Miller, television's Michael Anthony on The Millionaire. Other cast members included Hans Conried, Gerald Moore, Loreen Tuttle, and Jack Webb. The Whistler seldom featured any major Hollywood stars, but the quality of writing and performance made it a radio mainstay. So, we'll see if the hairs in the back of your neck will be raised or not when we hear the 1945 episode entitled, Murder Has a Signature. Let every go signal remind you that you do go farther with signal gasoline. The Signal Oil Program. The Signal Oil Company and your neighborhood signal dealer bring you another curious story by The Whistler. Tonight, murder has a signature. I am The Whistler. And I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales, many secrets hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Presently, I'll tell you of nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. But first, a little boy wants me to ask a favor of you, a dime. He'd be here himself to ask you, but this little fellow is crippled, in bed. And your dime is to help him get well, so someday he may walk again. You see, he's one of the 19,000 Americans, mostly children, who were stricken last year by infantile paralysis. Few homes can afford the long, costly care required by this dread disease. 
but thanks to the dimes contributed through last year's March of Dimes campaign, sponsored by President Roosevelt, more and more victims of infantile paralysis will walk again. Today starts the nationwide 1945 drive to replenish this important fund. It's your opportunity to do what you can to control this crippling disease, which, what for the hand of providence, might have stopped at your home. Send your dime or more, if you can, to President Roosevelt or your local chapter of the March of Dimes. Don't put it off. The need is now. And now, the whistler. It was an old house set back in the trees a little way from the lake. And it had a miserly look about it. You could almost tell that its owner was wealthy and cranky and miserly and happy in her self-pity. And all the loneliness of her own life, she took pleasure in passing on to her only companion, her servant, Martha. Martha! Martha, where are you? Martha, do this. Martha, do that. Always Martha. So there you are. Didn't you hear me calling you? What are you doing in the kitchen? Breakfast dishes. Breakfast dishes for... Breakfast dishes. Miss Brewer. That's better. You haven't made my room yet, and you know very well that's to be tidied before you touch a thing. Another thing. I know very well you heard me calling. Why didn't you answer me? I didn't hear you. One of your moods again, eh? Well, how long was it going to last this time? Oh, never mind. Take this envelope. I want you to row across the lake and place these securities in the bank. Row across? Be careful with them. They're worth a great deal of money. I want a bank receipt, too. Can you remember that? But it's three miles across the lake. I'll not have you wasting the motorboat gasoline. You're big and strong, and the ship won't hurt you a bit. Just a minute, Martha. Yes? That dress. Where did you get it? This? Yes, that. It's one of mine, isn't it? It's an old one. I didn't think you'd care. I do care. I told you before that I'll not have you wearing my clothes until I give them to you. Go to your room and take it off. Never any money to spend on myself. Because you're a fool with money. You with your cheap perfume and penny jewelry and silly shirtwaist. Trying to play the lady. It's a good thing I put a stop to it. I've earned my money here. I've got a right to do what I want with it. Martha, I promised your people I'd look after you. I knew how giddy you are. Your wages are well invested. But I want pretty things while I can enjoy them. Not when I'm old. Why, you're only ten years younger than I am, you fool. I'm nearly sixty. Now go to your room. Take off my dress. No. Take care, Martha. I've had enough of this. You've had enough. How about me? I'm sick of being treated like dirt under your feet. Go to your room. And I'm sick of working for an old cheat who steals my wages. <laughs> you didn't think I'd dare slap you, did you? If you only knew how I've wanted to do that. How I've dreamed of doing it. How dare you? How dare you? It was good. It felt good. The police will know about this, you ungrateful woman. The police? <laughs> no. Nor anyone else. You won't get a chance to tell anyone. Not even see anyone. You can't keep me here a prisoner or captive in my own house. I can't. And who would know? You have no friends. Nobody visits you from one year's end to another. Even the people in the village stay clear of your nasty tongue. You dare to do that to your mistress? Mistress? I'll show you who's mistress. <gasps> my glasses. You've broken my glasses. Yes. 
Do you think you can get help now? You're half blind without them. It's eight miles by road to the village. You'd be lost in the swamps in ten minutes. Yes, I am mistress now. Well, at long last, Martha, you've summoned up the courage to do what you wanted to do for so many years. You're a little surprised at the success of it, how easy it was. It's a pleasure to see her cringe before you, call you my dear, ask sweetly when she wants something, and then there's so much money here, enough to buy you all those things you've dreamed about. Martha? Oh, so there you are, Martha. Where have you been? Marketing. Where do you think? Well, you've been so long and cold in this room. Ah, oh, so cold. I'd have left the fire for me, Martha. Do be considerate, my dear. Considerate? When were you ever considerate of me? My back used to ache from breakfast to bedtime, and a lot you cared. Oh, it's different now, isn't it? Oh, it's cold, Martha. Well, wait till I get my things off and I'll make tea. You and your back. Oh, thank you, my dear. Quite a change has come over the old lady, hasn't there? My, what a sweet thing she's getting to be. I've been thinking, Martha. Oh, she's been thinking. No, I mean it. That lovely dinner dress of mine, it's not old, not really old at all. You can have it. I want you to have it. Second-hand stuff again, eh? No, thanks. I'm not having any. Now, look here. Let me show you something. Well, you bought that in the village? That and this and this and this. All of them. They're pretty, aren't they? Isn't that stealing, Martha? You have no money. You must have been in my cash box. Stealing? You talk about stealing when you've stolen months, years of my life. This stuff isn't all, either. There's lots of other things up in my room. Shall I show them to you? No, Martha. Well, why don't you say something? Well, there's nothing to say. If those few things will make you happy, then I'm glad. I want you to be happy, my dear. <laughs> You old hypocrite. You don't fool me a bit. What you wouldn't give to have the police here now. How you misjudge me. Is that a letter there? Letter? Yes, you have a letter. I suppose you want me to read it to you. Please. I'm surprised somebody thinks enough of you to write. My dear Aunt Bessie. Aunt Bessie? I'm motoring south tomorrow with my wife, Lillian. It's been so many years since we were last together. I thought I might... Stop on my way and renew a long neglected acquaintance. We should arrive sometime Friday evening. Uh, affectionately, Harvey. My nephew, Harvey. Why, I haven't seen him since he was a small boy. What does he want? You read the letter, Martha. He wants to see his aunt. Today is Friday. Well? Tonight, Martha. He'll be here tonight. Nice. <laughs> Come, my fine lady. Put on your pretties. You must look your handsomest when my nephew arrives. It's my money. I haven't really stolen from you. You can't do anything to me. Stolen from me? Of course you haven't, my dear. My poor woman, didn't I tell you I wanted you to be happy? You mean you're not going to do anything about it? Well, it's all unimportant, Martha, as viewed in contrast to... A greater crime. Crime? What crime? Kidnapping, Martha. Kidnapping? 
You've held me against my will for the purpose of obtaining money. That, under the law, constitutes kidnapping. You've held me in my own home makes not the slightest difference. I didn't hold you. I didn't. You know the penalty, Martha? You're trying to scare me. Death, Martha. No, you can't. <laughs> Your nephew. I'll explain to him. Come, my dear. It was inevitable, you know. Don't look so unhappy. <laughs> it isn't often I have guests, my dear. Fill the sherry decanters on the sideboard. Bring out the linens, the brewer's silver. For tonight, I entertain. You can't. I won't let you. Too late, my dear. Imagine my nephew wanting to visit me after all this time. Ironical, isn't it? Eighteen years. Eighteen years? Then he wouldn't know you. Recognize you, would he? Well, perhaps not. He could scarcely be expected to, I suppose, but... Martha, what are you thinking? Nothing, Miss Brewer. Nothing at all. You are listening to The Whistler, brought to you by your friend, the Signal Oil Company, marketers of famous Signal Gasoline, your best buy today. Remember to let every go signal remind you, you do go farther with Signal Gasoline. situation is a little more serious than Martha ever dreamed it might be, isn't it? Old Miss Brewer's nephew coming, and you, Martha, threatened with prison or work. And there's not much to do about it. Or is there? Harvey will be here soon. Even now, he and his wife are driving over the muddy road up to the house. Look. Look, Harvey. Is that it through the trees? Must be. The only house we've seen for miles. There's a light in the window. Oh, thank goodness. This is the loneliest, most dismal place yeah, I've ever... Yeah, that wind. Looks like rain. At least we beat that. I only hope she lets us in. What do you mean? Why shouldn't she let us in? Oh, I don't know, but she's a nutty old dame. I gather she doesn't think too much of me. I used to write her once in a while when I was younger, but she never once answered a letter. Well, then if you haven't even heard from her for 18 years, why should she be the guardian of your money? Well, after all, she's my only living relative. I'm hers. Okay, here we are. I'll pull in under this tree. Not too far from the porch. It's starting to rain. Okay, Lillian, you run for it. I'll bring the bags. Hurry up. You'll get wet. There's no bell, huh? Never mind. That wind. Feel how the house shakes. Oh, you can see that. Hey, listen. Yeah, somebody's coming. Did you close the windows in the car? Yeah, I did. Well, please knock again, Harv. I'm cold. I tell you, I heard somebody. Yes? Well, how do you do? I'm Harvey Brewer. I know. Come in. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Follow me. This must be it, Harv. In here, please. Look. Look, Harv, the fire. Oh. Doesn't it look wonderful? Wonderful as heaven. Thought I never would get warm again. I suppose I can leave the bags here for the time being. That'll be all right, won't it, miss? What do you want here? What? Oh, oh, of course. Uh, please tell Miss Brewer that her nephew and his wife are here. Her nephew Harvey. I'm Miss Brewer. 
You? What's the matter? <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> How stupid of me. I should have known. I'm sorry. Frightfully sorry. This is, uh, this is my wife, Lillian. How do you do, Miss Brewer? Why have you come? Why? Well, well, to see you, to pay you a visit. After all, you are my aunt, you know. I... Oh, I must say, I'd hardly expected this reception. What did you expect? Really, my dear Aunt Bessie, uh, if I may call you Aunt Bessie... You may not. You're not wanted here. Sorry, I I only thought that after all these years... I'm quite satisfied not to have any visitors. I want to be alone. Surely you don't mean that you'd you'd turn us out on a night like this after we've come all this way. I didn't ask you to come, but now you're asking us to leave. Is that it? Well, as long as we understand each other now, we might as well settle our business now. Oh, Lillian. Business? What business? Go on, tell her, Harvey. Well, uh, it's about my money. I want it, Aunt Bessie. Money? Uh, you, you came here for money? I, well, I didn't think it'd be necessary to have to come to the point so, so abruptly, but yes, I need money. I must have money. No, I, I can't give you any. After all, Aunt Bessie, it's my money, you know. You're simply holding it in trust for me. I know it's not due for another year, but the fact of the matter is I'm broke and I need it now. What's that got to do with me? can't make any possible difference to you whether you pay it now or a year from now. And it makes a great deal of difference to me. How much is it? How much? You know very well how much it is, Miss Brewer. Ten thousand. I, um, uh, I can't remember everything. I'm not well at all. Uh, you've got me all upset coming here. Oh, I, I'm sorry, Aunt Bessie. We didn't want to disturb you. Look, just write a check and we'll be gone. A check? Yes. I can't write you a check, I... I haven't got that much money in the bank. No, and I won't have either for a week, a couple of weeks. Not for two weeks, huh? We can wait, Harvey. Wait here? You can't wait here? We're broke, Aunt Bessie. Look, we're really broke. We've no other place to go. Not even enough gas to get there if we did. Tonight, then. Tonight's as long as you can stay. Do you hear? I'll give you some cash tomorrow. And then you've got to go. I can write you a check. I'll, um... Securities any good to you? Securities? Your securities? Yes. Yes, of course they are. You really mean this, Aunt Bessie? Wait. Well, a worthwhile trip, Art. Wait a minute, Lori. There might be enough here. Enough? Well, I should say there is. Yes. Yes, of course, here. Take these two. They're marked $5,000 each. They're banks on Really, Aunt Bessie, this is awfully good of you. I can't begin to tell you how grateful I am. They'll have to be endorsed. Made over to you, you know, Harvey. Oh, well, naturally. Uh, uh, do you mind, Aunt Bessie? Look, uh, here's a pen. Endorsed? Yeah, of course, just sign your name. Beth Brewer on the back. You give me the pen. Here you are. <laughs> As if you didn't know. <laughs> there. We both leave early in the morning. <laughs> gladly. Believe me, gladly. And that's the last cent you'll get. You ever come here again? Ask me for more? I'll... Well, I'll disinherit you. Yes, that's what I'll do. Now I'll show you to your room. Well, things have taken quite a turn. All Harvey wanted was money, and Beth Brewer signed over $10,000 worth of bonds to him. Or did she? And what about Martha? But then Harvey doesn't know anything about Martha. And Martha doesn't really know much about Harvey and Lillian. Not enough, I'm afraid. Asleep, Harvey? Oh, no. 
she's very rich, isn't she? Uh, a million, anyway. Uh, maybe more. That money, Harvey. Yes, it is. Harvey. Hmm? Did you know before tonight that you were in her will? No. No, not until she made that threat about cutting me off. You might get it all, Harvey. There's no other relative. A million or more, you said. Oh, no. Lay that pipe down, Lil. The old girl's good for another 20 years. I won't go to sleep. 20 years? You're right, Bill. $10,000 won't keep us forever, Hart. No. We'll be broke again soon. I suppose. But we'll have one swell time getting that way. But I don't like to be broke, Harvey. You know that. Now, wait a minute. Are you... Are you threatening to leave me again? I'm only warning you, Harv. You know how I feel. That's why we came down here. Oh, is money all you ever think of? You married me with your eyes open, Harvey. I warned you then. Mm, I know. I had enough of my inheritance to keep any ordinary couple happy for a lifetime. How we went through it all, I don't know. <laughs> I told you I was expensive. I don't plan to change. But I'll stay with you as I promised, as long as we can live like human beings. Like millionaires, you mean? Mm-hmm. You might be a millionaire if you had her money. But, Lillian, what can I do? Don't you know? Well, good night, Harvey. <sighs> You're a spoiled brat, Lil. I often wonder why I love you. But there's nothing, nothing I wouldn't do for you. You believe that, don't you? Mm-hmm. There's nobody in the house but the three of us. I know. Just you and I and the old lady upstairs. Well? Just the three of us, huh? All right, all right. What about it? Nobody knows we came here tonight. No, nobody knows. Good night, Harvey. Lil. Twenty years is such a long time. Lil. Oh. You know you always get your way with me. Yes, she always gets her way with you, doesn't she, Harvey? And so, you didn't get much sleep that night, did you? There was too much to do. And you had to get away too early in the dark, rain or no rain. Back in the city, you think it over and try to figure if you've forgotten anything. And you wait for the news. Uh Uh-huh. Well, it's in the paper. Already? Found her floating in the lake. They're not sure whether it's suicide or just what it is. Come on, read it. No picture? Not important enough for the city newspapers. Too far away to rate the front page. Well, what do you think? We're all right. Yeah. There's not a thing to connect us. Not a wrinkle left in the bed, not a fingerprint I didn't wipe off. We're all right. I found that letter that we wrote to her. We just simply weren't there Friday, Lil. Well, that's that. 
What about the securities? No, nothing doing. I tried again, but the banks won't touch them without her lawyers at endorsement. But it'll be a year or more before they settle her estate. I know. What are we going to live on in the meantime? Certainly her lawyer will verify her signature. I don't like it, Lil. All we have to remember is that we weren't there Friday. It was a month earlier when she paid you off. He'll never know. How could he know? I tell you, we're all right. Yes, everything's all right, Harvey. Stop worrying. Just run down to your aunt's lawyer's office and get his endorsement for the money. Then wait and see what happens. Who knows what good luck may come. May I offer my condolences on your aunt's passing, Mr. Brewer? It was a great shock to me. Uh, yes, I imagine you knew her better than I did. Perhaps. She wasn't a very friendly woman, but she was a remarkable one. And now you said you had some business with me. Uh, yes. You see, about a month before my aunt's death, I, uh, I happened to stop down there to see her. Oh? And, uh, she gave me these bank securities, $10,000 worth, the money she was holding in trust for me. But I thought... Yes, I, I know. It wasn't due yet, but she said she wanted me to have it anyway. And now the banks tell me that your endorsement is needed in order to cash them. Yes. That's an old routine arrangement I had with her. You just let me see them? Oh, yes, of course. Right here. Thank you. Hmm. Let's see. Uh, Mr. Brewer, you got these securities from your aunt? Yes, I, I just told you. Right, right. And uh, this is her signature? That's right, as you can see. You were in your aunt's presence when this endorsement was made? You saw her sign her name? Yes. Of course. We both did. Let's see. It may mean nothing at all. I hope for your sake it doesn't. But this is something I think the police should know about. You mean the, the securities? Yes. And uh, the signature. You see, Mr. Brewer, foul play is suspected in your aunt's death. The only clue the police have so far is a set of tire tracks found in the mud outside the house. Evidently made the night she died. But, uh, I, uh, I, I don't understand. No. You wouldn't, I'm sure. But you see, Mr. Brewer, this couldn't possibly be your aunt's signature. Because in spite of her intelligence and wealth, your aunt never went to school. She never learned to write even her own name. Harvey had nothing to worry about. Nothing but the electric chair. And Lillian, who had to have money to live like a human being, will spend the rest of her life behind bars. Yes, the tire tracks convicted them, of course. That was one clue they overlooked. And it was enough to prove that they were there that rainy night. If only you hadn't tried to cash those securities, Harvey. The securities that first pointed suspicion at you. Now they'll hang you for the wrong murder, Harvey. They'll hang you for your aunt's murder, when actually you killed Martha, the housekeeper, and dumped her body in the lake. Yes, but they haven't found her body yet, Harvey. 
Martha was the one who killed Aunt Bessie and threw her body in the lake. But you'll never be able to prove that now. Maybe if Martha had lived, she could have gotten out of it somehow. But not now. It was all so unnecessary, too. When you killed Martha, your aunt was already dead. And by the terms of her will, you had already inherited all of her money. Over a million dollars. Too bad, Harvey. Too bad. The Signal Oil Program will bring you another strange tale by The Whisper. The Signal Oil Program is broadcast for your entertainment by The Signal Oil Company, marketers of Signal's famous go-farther gasoline and motor oil, and by your neighborhood Signal Oil dealer, who is at your service daily to keep your car running for the duration. The Signal Oil Program, produced by George W. Allen, with story by Louis Essie, music by Wilbur Hatch, is transmitted to our troops overseas by the Armed Forces Radio Service. Bob Anderson speaking for your friend, the Signal Oil Company, and suggesting once again that you let every go signal remind you that you do go farther with Signal Gasoline. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for Eve Arden as our Miss Brooks, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for one of the most popular radio shows of the late 1940s and early 50s, Our Miss Brooks. It was a hit on radio from the very outset. Within eight months of its launch as a regular series, the show landed several honors, including four for Eve Arden, who won polls in four individual publications of the time. Produced by Larry Burns and written by director Al Lewis, Our Miss Brooks premiered CBS, July 19th of 1948. Now, Jeff Chandler played Mr. Boynton and stayed with the role for five years, even after becoming a movie star. He ultimately resigned because it was too exhausting to juggle a radio role with his film commitments. Others in the cast included Anne Whitfield as Conklin's daughter, Harriet. And Eve Arden was a hit with the critics, too. A winter 1949 poll of newspaper and magazine radio editors taken by Motion Picture Daily named her the year's best radio comedian. Our Miss Brooks was considered groundbreaking for showing a woman who was neither a scatterbrained klutz nor a homebody, but rather a working woman who transcended the uh, actual or assumed limits to women's working lives at the time. Connie Brooks was considered a realistic character in an unglamorized profession. She often joked, for example, about being underpaid, as many teachers are, and who showed women could be competent and self-sufficient outside their home lives without losing their femininity or their humanity. Let's go along with the cast now and hear that episode broadcast several years ago back in the late 40s entitled Travel. Travel. 
Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. Like many of us, our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, has been making plans for a summer vacation. Last Thursday morning at breakfast, she discussed the subject with her landlady. Mrs. Davis, this summer, I'm really going to relax and enjoy myself. Good for you, Connie. What are you going to do? Well, I've been thinking of Europe. What a wonderful way to spend your vacation. I can see you now, all through the warm summer nights... Sitting out in our backyard, thinking of Europe. Well, I'm not just going to think about it, Mrs. Davis. I'm determined to travel this year. My goodness. What made you arrive at that decision? Well, frankly, I couldn't resist those Hawkins travel posters all over town. You've seen them. Let Hawkins guide you through Italy. Let Hawkins guide you through France. Well, yesterday, I went to their office and told them what I could afford for a summer vacation. What did they say? Let Hawkins guide you through Yonkers. (laughs) But when I told them I was a teacher, they made me a very interesting proposition. All I have to do is get three friends to take one of their tours, and I get mine for a third of the price. Oh, that sounds wonderful, Connie. How have you progressed so far? So far, all I need is three friends and a third of the price. (laughs) Say, maybe you might like to take the tour with me. Me? But, Connie, how could I? The only possible way I might afford a trip like that would be if I were to collect all the back rent you owe me. (laughs) Well, that lets you out. (laughs) You see, Mrs. Davis, if I paid you back everything I owe... No, I didn't mean to ruin your day, Connie. Your credit is still good with me. Besides, even if you did make a substantial payment to me through some sudden miracle... I still couldn't go abroad. I feel I should spend the summer with my sister, Angela. Oh, isn't she feeling well, Mrs. Davis? Well, she's all right physically, but the poor thing gets more absent-minded every year. She really needs me, Connie. Did I tell you about our last telephone conversation? No, you didn't. No, I didn't what, dear? (laughs) You didn't tell me about your last phone conversation. Well, you seldom tell me about your phone conversation. <laughs> Pull up a couch and lie down. Uh, to get back to my plans. Oh, there's Walter Denton. Be right there, Walter. Oh, thank goodness he's not coming in for breakfast. We've only got six eggs left. <laughs> Connie, before you go, I'd like to make a suggestion. What is it? Why don't you tell Walter about the Hawkins Travel Agency? Maybe his parents would like to send him away for the summer. They'd probably love to send him away, but I don't think it would be fair to Europe. There's something different about the car today, Walter. You've made it very cheerful somehow. Just by adding you, Miss Brooks. (laughs) No, there's something plus me. I know. You've painted the top a nice shade of sky blue. Yeah, I've done better than that. I left the top at home. (laughs) You are looking at the sky itself. Oh. Well, it's better than looking straight ahead. Nothing to see there but fleeing pedestrians. (laughs) Walter, have you noticed the travel posters all over town? 
Yeah, yeah, I have, Miss Brooks. Why? I was just wondering. Hmm. How would you like to eat your way across, uh, travel across, <laughs> across Europe this summer? Me? Oh, my folks would never let me go abroad alone. Well, so much the better. Maybe they'd enjoy a European trip, too. No, no, I'm afraid not, Miss Brooks. They've already made their plans for a summer vacation. Well, I'm sorry they've got other plans, Walter. It would have been nice to have you all along. Along? Are you going abroad, Miss Brooks? I'm trying to. If I tell you something in strictest confidence, will you promise to keep it quiet? My jaws are a steel trap. (laughs) That I know. Just be sure you keep them shut. The truth is, Walter, if I can get three other customers for the Hawkins Agency, I can tour France and Switzerland for a third of the regular price. Gosh, that's a wonderful deal, Miss Brooks. Have you thought about Mr. Conklin? Only when I eat something heavy before going to bed. (laughs) Uh, Mr. Conklin never takes his family any place but to Crystal Lake. They have a cottage there, you know. Yeah, I know, but Harriet told me that her mother's fed up with it and would very much like to travel this summer. Look, why don't you drop in and have a heart-to-heart talk with Mr. Conklin? I don't know, Walter. As a rule, he isn't very partial to suggestions that come from me. But Harriet and Mrs. Conklin have been buttering him up for weeks. All you'd have to do is apply the final coat. (laughs) And if I may be permitted a personal observation, Miss Brooks, you are without a doubt the greatest little salve artist since Florence Nightingale. (laughs) Thank you, Dr. Kildare. Daddy, I've dusted your office until it shines. Thank you, Harriet. Oh, don't mention it, Daddy. Why, it's the least any daughter could do for a father who's so sweet and considerate and unselfish. Please, Harriet. Desist. All that butter's taking the starch out of my collar. (laughs) However, I do appreciate your getting my office in shape. Mr. Stone is coming over from the Board of Education this afternoon to discuss next term's curriculum. Next term? But, Daddy, we haven't had our summer vacation yet. And while we're on the subject... While we're on the subject, let's drop it. I may have a very pleasant surprise for your mother and yourself if things work out this afternoon. A surprise? What kind, Daddy? Oh, come on, you can tell me. I won't breathe a word to a soul. Well, you'd worm it out of me sooner or later, I suppose. Briefly, I've made an arrangement with the Hawkins Travel Agency whereby we can visit Honolulu for one-third of the regular rate if we secure three other tourists for them. And you think Mr. Stone might be one of the prospects? Exactly. He'd probably love a vacation trip. He's often mentioned how hard he's been working. (laughs) That's a laugh. Chairman of the Board of Education working hard. <laughs> Don't quote me, child. But, Daddy, what about the other two? Who is it? It's Miss Brooks, sir. One moment, Miss Brooks. She's the last person in the world I want to see this morning. Always grumbling about something but or other. Daddy... I understand Miss Brooks is going to do some traveling this summer. I don't care what Miss Brooks is going to do this summer, Harriet, so long as she's going to do some traveling this summer, Anne. Come in. 
That will be all, Harriet. Run along to class. Yes, Daddy. Hi, Miss Brooks. Hi, Harriet. Bye, Miss Brooks. Hi, Harriet. Well, sit down, sit down. How is my favorite English teacher this morning? Oh, Miss Enright is fine, Mr. Conklin. <laughs> no, no, I was referring to you, my dear. I can't tell you how delighted I am to see you. I was just thinking of the past year and how you've helped so greatly to make it a happy one for me. Huh? <laughs> oh, we've had our little differences. Some unfortunate incidents have occurred. Like the time you dropped the typewriter on my sore foot. <laughs> the afternoon you spilled the ink on my new suit. And that day in the cafeteria when you wantonly rushed me from behind and scattered a tray full of food all over my vest. And then when you had the colossal goal. <laughs> <laughs> Water under the bridge, isn't it? <laughs> what I started to say was that I, I wouldn't have known what to do without you. Well, that's very sweet of you, Mr. Conklin. Not at all. Where would mm -hmm. Madison High School be without teachers like yourself? And where would we teachers be without a principal like yourself? Oh, you're very kind, Miss Brooks. You're generous, Mr. Conklin. You're loyal. You're sincere. <laughs> you're honest. You're benevolent. You're true blue. Oh, I'm sorry if I forgot to wait my turn. Miss <laughs> uh, Brooks, I heard you were thinking of traveling this summer. And I heard you were thinking of traveling this summer. <laughs> yes, yes. I was considering the possibility of a trip to Honolulu. <laughs> I was considering Switzerland. You'd love Honolulu, Miss Brooks. <laughs> Oh, you'd be wild about Switzerland, Mr. Conklin. Honolulu is so relaxing. <laughs> Switzerland is so invigorating. It's so colorful. It's majestic. It's delightful. It's awe-inspiring. It's... it's... Oops, you almost missed your turn again. <laughs> well, Miss Brooks, wherever you do elect to travel, I'd like to call a certain agency to your attention. Have you heard of the Hawkins Travel Agency? Oh, yes, indeed. They're very efficient. Uh, they're extremely alert. They're up to the minute. Uh, they're progressive. Uh, they're... I pass. <laughs> Let's just say we agree that the Hawkins Agency is the one we'll both use this summer. Fine, fine. You've been most cooperative, Miss Brooks. Well, you're sweet to say so. You're extremely thoughtful. Uh, you're... Mr. Conklin, before we go around again, there's something I'd like to say. Uh, what's that, Miss Brooks? This is the first time I've ever heard of two people polishing the same apple. <laughs> well, things are going just fine so far. Uh, yes, I've got one of the customers I need for our deal all sewed up, Mr. Hawkins. <laughs> now, when I told him I was going to use your service, too, our principal all but jumped down my throat. Well, now all I need are two more, and I'll be on my way to Mexico. Oh, I don't anticipate a bit of trouble. One of my prospects is waiting to have lunch with me right now. Well, thank you, Mr. Hawkins. Hasta la vista. Oh, we're right over here, Mr. Boynton. Oh, I'll be over as soon as I stop at the steam table, Miss Brooks. You don't have to. I picked up lunch for both of us. Oh, well, you shouldn't have done this, Miss Brooks. 
I wanted to buy lunch for you today. You did? Well, I have the checks right here. It was very thoughtful of you to take care of it, though. I, I shouldn't let you do it, really. Well, you can still pick up the... Bad enough that you pay for your own lunch without trying to... Well, nothing's been paid for yet, Mr. Boynton. The cashier's on the way out, and if you want oh, to... Oh, it pay... wouldn't be very gracious of me to make an issue of it now, I suppose. <laughs> but I, I don't want this to become a habit. Now, from here on in, it's Dutch. Sounds exciting. <laughs> uh, by the way, Mr. Boynton, I understand you're thinking of doing some traveling this summer. Well, yes, Miss Brooks, I am planning a trip. Oh, I think it's the only way to spend a vacation. How about you? Oh, nothing like it. I'm determined to travel this summer. Oh, may I ask where to, Miss Brooks? France and Switzerland, mostly. Oh, I can picture it now. Bern, Lucerne, Interlaken. I'm going to Mexico. Acapulco, Ensenada, Tijuana. <laughs> well, there's nothing like it. Yeah, but, Miss Brooks, the cities you just mentioned are in Mexico, not Switzerland. I know, but I'm not prejudiced. <laughs> maybe I'll take a peek at Mexico before I hit the continent. Or better yet, maybe I can persuade you to come to Europe with me. Mm, I don't know, Miss Brooks. Mexico's pretty exciting. Switzerland's invigorating. <laughs> Mexico is so colorful. Switzerland is so majestic. Mexico is so romantic. Switzerland is so Mexican. <laughs> I mean, it would be nice to travel together, Mr. Boynton. Well, I'm not planning a very luxurious trip, Miss Brooks. I'd want to see something of the back country. Oh, naturally, naturally. I can see us now, sitting together under a big Mexican moon. <laughs> I'd hire a couple of donkeys, and after five days of steady riding, we'd be deep in the interior. I can see us now, standing under a big Mexican moon. <laughs> You know, Miss Brooks, I'm extremely interested in the remains of the Aztec and Inca civilization. And come to think of it, there's no one with whom I'd rather explore those old ruins than you. I don't know whether to feel flattered or have my face lifted. But, Mr. Boynton, wherever we decide to go this summer, I think a good travel agency is most important, don't you? Oh, oh yes, I do. Have you heard of the Hawkins Agency? I was just going to ask you the same question. They're very efficient. Oh, they're extremely alert. They're up to the minute. They're progressive, and I pass again. <laughs> then it's agreed? You'll use the Hawkins Travel Agency? I wouldn't go anywhere without them. Positively, Miss Brooks? Absolutely, Mr. Sheehan. Miss Brooks? Oh, hello, Walter. Oh, I'm glad I caught you before your next class. I've been anxious to find out how you did with Mr. Conklin this morning. Wonderfully, Walter. He's promised to use the Hawkins Travel Agency this summer. And better than that, so has Mr. Boynton. Now all I need is one more customer, and it's gay Paris for little me. <laughs> yeah, that's cute. And, Miss Brooks, I think I've got just what you want right here in my pocket. You'd never fit. Oh, you mean another customer? Yeah, Exactly. I heard from Harriet that Mr. Stone's coming over this afternoon, and I happen to know that he's extremely interested in traveling this year. Of course, he might be a little tougher to approach than the others, but I've thought of a way around that. Walter, what would I do without you? Ooh, don't even think of such a bleak prospect. <laughs> but, Miss Brooks, if you're going to sell Mr. Stone on a trip, you've got to do it graphically. Not just with words, but with gestures and costumes. Huh? Yeah, I figured that out, too. 
In the home economics room is a complete wardrobe designed for the senior show. Oh, there's one black satin gown in particular in there that's guaranteed to make young men old and old men young. <laughs> Kel Garment. Ooh, la la. <laughs> How do you know it'll fit me? Either the tighter the better, Nespa. Well, it seems that both Mr. Conklin and Miss Brooks have the same prospect in mind as their third tourist for the Hawkins Travel Agency. This doesn't seem too illogical when you consider that they have the same prospect in mind for the first two tourists as well. However, this time they have both decided to convince their man graphically. Well, Harriet, if Mr. Stone will fall for the line of malarkey, I'm... If he'll act upon my suggestion. That is, if he'll utilize the Hawkins Travel Agency this summer... We'll get a trip to Honolulu for practically nothing. Oh, it sounds great, Daddy. And this costume you've put on should certainly help to convince him. We were lucky to find a flower lay in this uke in the senior show prop box. They go beautifully with that gay Hawaiian shirt you're wearing. Well, we can only hope that... Oh, that must be Mr. Stone now. I'd like to talk to him alone, Harriet. All right, Daddy. I'll go out for your inner office. Good luck. Come in, please. Oh, good afternoon, Osgood. I... Oh, pardon me, madam. <laughs> oh, you, you, you were right the first time, Mr. Stone. It is indeed I, Osgood Conklin. Aloha, sir. What? No doubt you're wondering why I'm dressed in this manner. Oh, no. All my principals come to school with flower lays around their necks. I'm merely trying to create a mental image for you. A mental image? I want to go back to my little grass shack in Kealakaua-Wai. Oh, no! With the huma-huma-nuka-nuka-apa-ua-a-a-a-a swimming by. Conklin, put down that ukulele. Pardon me, sir, but it's ukulele. Well, whatever it is, put it away. Have you taken leave of your senses? I know, sir. It's just I heard you're contemplating a trip this summer, and, well, I thought I might be able to give you an idea of where to go. No, I could easily give you an idea of where to go. <laughs> you see, I'm well aware of the efficacy of a graphic description. That's why I'm clad in this fashion. I, Mr. Stone, represent Honolulu. Honolulu? <laughs> <laughs> Keep people on the mainland this summer? Oh, come in. <clears throat> Mr. Boyd, what are you doing with that sombrero on? And that horse blanket draped over your shoulder. <laughs> Boynton, are you posing as a Mexican? Si, senor. <laughs> now listen to me. No, you listen, Mr. Conklin. Ay, <laughs> Anel Rancho Grande. Ay, Anel Rancho Abia una rancherita, que alegre me decía, que alegre me decía. Well, now I've seen everything. 
everything. Between that guitar and your confounded ukulele, Conklin. I, uh, I think it's ukulele, Mr. Stone. I don't care what you think, boy. I didn't mean to upset you, Mr. Stone. Just that I heard you were planning a trip, and I thought you might enjoy a visit to Mexico. Mexico, nothing, Boynton. We're all going to Honolulu. I don't like to contradict you, but I haven't decided yet where I'm going, Leilani. Then I still have the chance. Ayan el Rancho Grande, Ayan el Now cut that out! (laughs) Conklin, I came over here to discuss the curriculum for next semester. And if I can do so without any further interruptions, I'll be very surprised. (laughs) Come in. Miss Brooks. And they say television isn't bringing back vaudeville. Brooks, what are you doing in that Parisian gown? And an alpine hat. She's probably trying to represent France. But naturellement. And Switzerland. But certainement. Both? But of course not. Oh, there is nothing like Paris in the summer. The Arc de Triomphe, the Rue de la Paix, the Place de la Concorde, and Piccadilly Circus. (laughs) Miss Brooks, Piccadilly Circus happens to be in London. Right, oh, Governor, but if you were so nearby, you wouldn't want to miss that now, would you? No, no. see here, Miss Brooks. But then I... when you leave Paris, you must come with me to Switzerland. In the Alpine villages that are French, you will find the wine, the women, and the songs. Yes, I'm sure that's true, Miss Brooks. And I... then we go to the Bavarian air. <laughs> Immediately you notice there is a big difference. A big difference? Yeah. There, with the women and the song, you get beer. Actual <laughs> what beer? Two bottles, and you ski down the whole mountains without your skis. <laughs> well, all this is very enlightening. However... That's the way uh, you're wrong. Is there no lightning in the Italiano Alps? <laughs> the Italiano Alps? <laughs> What's the matter? You no remember Switzerland's Italiano colony? That's the fazool. Well, I don't know about the rest of you, but to me this sounds like Arthur Godfrey and his enemies. Well, I was just trying to convince you to travel through Switzerland this summer, Mr. Uh, Stone. I'm afraid I have no intention of going to Switzerland, Miss Brooke. Good. I on El Rancho. I'm not going to Mexico either. Of course he's not. (laughs) 
and I am not going to visit the Hawaiian Islands. Well, then where are you going, Mr. Stone? I'll tell you in a moment. But first, may I say that I'm very touched that you're all so anxious to have me with you during the coming vacation. Well, that's because we're all so fond of you, Mr. Stone. Then you'll be pleased to know that you're all going traveling with me this summer. You see, by bringing in you three customers, I get a very reasonable deal from the Hawkins Traveling. <laughs> and the trip I have planned for us is a walking trip through darkest Africa. <laughs> darkest Africa? Darkest Africa? Miss Brooks, where are you going? I'm going on a trip to darkest Africa. I'll have to get my batteries recharged. <laughs> Miss Brooks, darling, you are the transcribed and produced and directed by Larry Burns, written by Arthur Oldberg and Al Lewis for the music of Overhead. Mr. Conklin was played by Gail Gordon. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. Sports fans, be sure to listen at 2105 hours this evening as AFN Sports brings you the second in a series of games between the Mets and the Giants, direct from Shea Stadium in New York. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Voyage of the Scarlet Queen, followed by My Favorite Husband. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.